Wow, everybody, this is fun. This is our last bridge of the semester, which is kind of crazy. Obviously, COVID and snow kind of took a toll, to say the least, on the amount of bridges that we were able to have this semester. But uh, we're going to finish strong tonight. We've been going through a dating series, and uh, we got a ton of ground to cover as, as we finish tonight. And then we're obviously going to have a rootin' tootin' good time later. I wrote that down because I was going to mess it up if I tried to say it without thinking about it. Uh, so after we finish, we're going to have an awesome time to step in with corn dogs and all that fun stuff. But uh, first, we're going to jump in, and, and we're going to finish our dating series. And could you turn me down just a little bit? I feel like I'm going to yell at you guys too much when I'm not trying to. So we are talking tonight about how to date well. What does that look like? How to date well? We started with singleness and, and our view of what singleness is as a gift from the Lord because it, it brings about or it gives us undivided devotion to Him, uh, that we, our interests are not divided, and it is an opportunity for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord and grow in our character and maturity um, that leads us to marriage, but also just glorifying the Lord for the rest of our lives. And then uh, the next two weeks, we talked about what to look for in a guy and then what to look for in a girl. And man, there's been so many great conversations that have come from that. I know so many of y'all are wrestling prayerfully with the truth of God's word. And, and I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Keep those conversations going. Keep running back to God's word and examining your lives in light of that. But as we, as we walk through this, I think the best place to end when you're doing a dating series is how to date well and what that looks like. And some of you might not be dating right now, and that is completely okay. These things will still be true, hopefully, and these things you should still uh, strive for in your relationships. If it's six months down the road, a year or three years, or maybe it's tonight after you start two-stepping with somebody. I don't know. I don't know. Do we plan that? No, but it's here we are. Maybe God did. That's fine. And uh, so wherever you are, these things, man, they're, gonna, they're going to apply. And I hope that you would remember these, write these down. But as we talk about dating, it's a little bit of a diffi difficult topic uh, to talk about dating biblically. And I say that because dating isn't in the Bible. They don't talk about dating. Our process from being single in going to marriage, that really isn't in the scriptures. If you think back to the beginning of Adam and Eve, there was this moment where Adam and God were like, okay, there is no one suitable for you among all of these animals. You named them. Bears are cool, but they're not a great wife, right? So we have to find this new thing. And so what God does is he puts Adam to sleep and uh, kind of does some surgery on him. And then when Adam wakes up, he sees a naked woman before him and he starts breaking out in beautiful song to the Lord. I wish, well, I don't know. Uh, we'll think about this. Maybe if you're a guy in the room, you're like, man, I wish that's how it worked. Like I just woke up and there's a naked woman and says, this is your wife. Uh, might sound pretty great, but then you got to think about it. She does eat the forbidden fruit and bring curse and judgment on the world. So pick your poison on, on what you're looking for in a wife like that. But even beyond Adam and Eve, the picture of the Bible, if you think back to Genesis 24, we talked about that last week, and uh, this is when Abraham sends his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. He sends Eliezer to find a wife in a, in a different land, and uh, he finds a wife. So this was what we would call arranged marriage, that the parents arranged the marriage for their kids. I know probably the majority of this room would say, please, no, don't let my parents arrange my marriage because they would just pick the first girl they ever saw from our kindergarten class. She was kind. You're like, you don't know where she is. And, uh, and that's gonna how that would work. But 
I think this is important to note as we go through this one, because we're going to be jumping around throughout the scriptures. We're not going to pull from one passage alone and say, this is how to date well, because it's not that biblical of an idea. So we're going to be jumping around, but what we can do is that scripture has so many principles for us to pull from that will apply to our dating lives. And, uh, and, and really, as we're looking for this, I want to remind you and emphasize that this is a process, that dating is a process. It is the evaluation of a suitable partner for a lifelong of marriage that, that should result in glory to God and, and really a marriage of ministry. That's what we're looking for uh, in a spouse, a teammate, not just someone that is cute, and we talked about all of that stuff with what to look for in a guy, but I do want to say that this is a process. And I think we have a problem of viewing dating as a status. Dating is a status for us that we kind of sit in to make us feel good about ourselves, uh, to, so we would be viewed in some upper echelon of, of people because I'm in this status. But, but dating, I would argue tonight, as we'll talk about it, is not just a thing to sit in. It's a process that we want to move through with a direction in mind. So as we talk about that process, here are five things from the scriptures. I'll bring scripture with each one of these uh, that you need to date with these five things. The first one, you need to date with clarity. If you're going to date well, you need to date with clarity. We kind of talked about this one with the guys one. I had some guys that they were like, you just didn't have to say that. So mean. And I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just trying to be honest. And some of you girls were like, yes, amen, be clear. And, uh, and that's great because... Because you need clarity in a relationship. You need that. But, but here's the thing with clarity. You need that on both sides. Guys need to be clear. Girls need to be clear as well. This obviously happens at the beginning of a relationship. Uh, that, that you, you kind of have to get past the, uh, what are we? What is this? Like, we've kind of been talking. We got that snap, sh- Snapchat streak. It's got the flames, whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't had Snapchat in like six years, so I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Are there still streaks on Snapchat? Is that a thing? Mildly? Okay. Y'all are like, yeah, but we don't want to talk about it. So we won't talk about it. Uh, but, but we kind of go through this thing, and it's just so much better if guys from the get-go and say, hey, this is my intentions. This is where we want to go. This is where I would want to take this. Do you want to go in that direction as well? And then girls, you need to be clear as well with what you think, what your thoughts are on that relationship. If you just want to stay friends, yes, the dreaded friend zone, uh, or if you would want to move in a relationship and what those things are. And, and I think about Ephesians 4 as, as Paul commands believers in the body of Christ to speak the truth in love. He says, if we're, if we're believers, and you are dating a believer, which I think is something that you should do, and so does Scripture, uh, then we must be speaking the truth from a place of love to one another. We should be speaking the truth. We have to be honest with each other. So this, this means we shouldn't be leading each other on. Shouldn't be ghosting each other. Uh, we... we We shouldn't be leaving each other in the dark on where we stand. And I know I've probably been on both sides of that where you get ghosted and you're like, well, we did talk and there was kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden I didn't exist for three months and it just kind of went away, right? Like there's a better way, especially for us as believers, there's a better way for us to communicate. Proverbs 11.3 says this, 
says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. So for us, of the upright as believers, we should be guided by integrity. Integrity, the, the root word means integer, which means one. It is a whole number, meaning there's no partiality to it. There's no, I show 90%, but 10%, there's something hidden here. Or I say I'm interested, but then in reality, I'm not. But there is a wholeness to it. There is no divisiveness. There is no partiality. It's integrity. And that, as believers, is what should guide us, even if it hurts the other person even if it, it hurts that other person. So I think in the initiation, this should be good. This should be good. And, and I am of the opinion that, that guys should be initiating in this. Now I would say, girls, you have all the right in the world to ask, what is this? What is going on here? Why are you doing these things? And that might humiliate and embarrass them, but that's okay. What I would, I would challenge you, don't share your feelings first. Right? Don't share your feelings first because guys will do this really thing where they like get into this conversation about what we are and then they will like wait for you to kind of say something first. Like, no, no, no. You just let them go, okay? You let them go. Let them talk about it. Share their feelings. Be courageous because I think it's a really good thing. Now, this goes beyond dating and I, I think, or not dating, this should, goes beyond the initiation of dating. I think this should be something that is true of every relationship. Because one of the biggest things that you will run into beyond dating, even into marriage, is the frustration that is born from unmet expectations. Frustration is born when expectations aren't met. You may have heard that before. You've absolutely lived that in your life. There are so many random things that Amy and I probably get slightly frustrated at each other. But then, here's the problem. We've never communicated those expectations. We've never communicated those things, and so we build up all of these frustrations for something that we're just assuming them to read our minds, and then the other person in the relationship is left playing battleship with our emotions and feelings and what we want. This is a James 4 idea. He says there's, there's a reason that, there is, that quarrels and fights are caused among you. It's that you desire things, and then you do not get them, and the reason you do not get them is because you do not ask. And even then, in the things that we ask, they come from selfish places that we don't ask them with the right motives. So this is so deep within us that these are heart issues. And one of the ways that we can work through that is through clarity. It's through honesty within our relationships. I think that is a beautiful thing for us to do. And I, I, truthfully, I think it's better to over-communicate than under-communicate. That you should have DTR defi define the relationship. You should DTR uh, often. Say, hey, how are we? Are we good? Is everything okay? Even in little things that you might notice, and, and we talked about this, I, I think, with guys, girls think a lot more than we do. That's just the truth. They wonder a lot more than we do. And so if you're like, man, we haven't really talked about things, I kind of wonder what's going on. She's probably like five yards, no, She's probably like 50 yards down that road, and she's like, I've been wondering where we've been going for like two weeks now, and you haven't said anything, and you're like, well, I thought about it two minutes ago. <laughs> All right, so we need to over-communicate and, and think through what might be a confusion, because leaders remove confusion. So that's number one, we need to date with clarity. Number two, we need to date with community. I think we need to date with and in community. I have some verses with this. Proverbs eleven fourteen, 
It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Think about that. Where there is no guidance, people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. Um, man, I, as I thought about community and, and the things that go with it, one of the things that it, it's so hard to see is that couples will pair off, that they have a friend group, they may be met within their own friend group, and they have a lot of great things going on, and they know a lot of people, and then they start dating, and their dating relationship goes well, and then all of a sudden they kind of pair off and drift away from the community that they had. Like they just start to spend time with each other exclusively. And they don't spend it with anybody else. All of a sudden you're like, hey, where did those people go? It's like, oh, that guy? Yeah, gosh. Started dating. And you're like, no, that's not how it should be. That, that we need to be in community. Let me give you a great verse with this. Proverbs 18.1. It says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. He fights against those things. He fights against what the counselors might bring. And because he doesn't want to hear what people might have to say about their relationship, they distance, them from, they distance themselves from those people, which should be a yellow or maybe even a red flag. Like if you're afraid of what your friends and your trusted friends would be saying about your relationship, and so you distance yourself from them, shouldn't that raise some kind of an issue that you're hiding something, that something might be difficult or wrong in your relationship? And so we need that community. And what I'm not saying here is that you shouldn't go on dates together, because I think you should still go on dates together. And, and yes, there's a great opportunity to have uh, that time together. Uh, what I am saying is that, that you you should spend time with people, that you should have a balance with that. You should have a balance with how much time you spend together and then how much time you spend with friends together uh, and, and how much time you spend with family. I, I mean, for Amy and us, like we're, we're, in, we, we're in marriage, as I would say. We're married, and, and there's a great opportunity that we have where Amy will go spend time uh, with her, her friends and her girls, and they talk about whatever girls talk about, I don't even know, and then me and my guys, we get together, and we'll go on bike rides, and we'll play ping pong, and we're just drenched in sweat, and then we talk about life and how things are going, and that, that's so healthy. That's so healthy. When you do that in community, it's such a good thing for us. But, the, but there's another part to this. When, when you isolate yourself and you remove yourself from community, all the pressure of evaluation, the evaluation process that should be for dating, all of that now is on your shoulders. Because you've removed everyone that should be giving you guidance and counsel. Like if you've isolated yourself from those people, it's up to you to see everything in the other person and to see everything in your relationship. And if there's one thing that we should acknowledge is that we have blind spots. And those blind spots double and triple when we have feelings in our hearts that we can't think well up here when we just love somebody and we have a crush on somebody. They're just kind of Mr. and Miss Perfect to us. And we don't see it. All of the things that might be really big look really small to us. And things that are really small we don't even care about. And we need people on the outside that speak into that. So if you're in a relationship, or, or maybe you're thinking about a relationship, lean on that community. Say, hey, what do you see in us? 
how do we interact around each other? How do we interact with people when we're together? How do we interact with people when we're separate? How am I doing? Is there anything that is a cause for concern in my life? So we need to date in community and with it. This brings us to our next point, which is boundaries. I think you need to date with boundaries. Uh, I would say that planned time away, where you schedule time, where, where you aren't together in your dating relationship is a healthy boundary that, that you should set. And uh, when, when we're talking boundaries, I'm, I'm really talking emotional boundaries at this point. We'll get to physical boundaries in a second, but we are immersed in a Christian culture that, that prizes authenticity and vulnerability. Like, those are, those are the biggest things to us. I mean, everybody loves that. Everybody looks for that, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just think we have a problem where we go a little bit too far, a little bit too deep, too soon. And I think we need to guard against that. Here's a great, great verse on this, Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And so, one of the ways that we fail to guard our hearts is by feeding it dreams of a season you aren't in yet. I'm going to say that again. One of the ways that we don't guard our hearts is by feeding it dreams of a season that we aren't in yet. That we get so locked up in the future and where we are going with that person that we forget we just met them two days ago. <laughs> and you're like, but I've already pictured everything. I already pictured where we're going to live and what we're going to do. Like, we go way too far, way too fast in this area, and that's something that we need to guard our hearts in. If you start talking about the future too much, and too early, then you are supplying your heart with hopes that may not come into fruition. It may not come into fruition. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It's Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So what's, what's that saying is that if you build up all of these hopes and these desires and you have this thing in your brain and you talk about it all the time, you think about it all the time, and then you break up, man, your heart is going to be sick. It's often why breakups suck, right? Breakups suck. There's nothing fun about them unless... It was really bad, and you saw it, maybe, I don't know. But you have all of these things going, and you build your heart up, and you put all of this hope in it, and then when that is deferred, it doesn't happen. Our heart is sick. We are heartbroken. And I know some of you are thinking to yourselves, yeah, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. A desire, like, yeah, I mean, hope might go bad, but it might go well. And you're like, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. And you're absolutely right. But here's my point. So you are taking a gamble if you don't pace yourself well. You are taking a gamble if you don't pace yourself well. And, and, and it might go well, it might not. But let me just remind you, you're gambling with your heart. You're gambling with your heart. And the other person's heart. 
And so if you're saying all of these things and you're building this stuff up, like here's the deal, most often like when, when it's going well, this is, this is kind of like a river analogy that, that maybe some of you have heard before, like the idea, the hope of a, of, of a relationship is that you're in a canoe or you're in a boat and that river is just full of water and the current is flying. Like you're just flying down this river, everything is great, you see things so clearly, you love this person, you're crushing hard, they're great with your parents, and you're like, this is it, this is it, everything's perfect. And, and when we're two weeks in and we're just like, this is the one, this is the one, I know it. And, and I've had these conversations and I'm like, hey, maybe, but go slow, like just take your time, like don't go too fast. Too. And, and so what you should be doing, and I'm saying that's the best place to be, is that the current's flying, but you need to be manually slowing yourselves down. You say, let's take things slow. Let's, let's realize, because here's what happens. Mr. Perfect isn't so perfect after a few months. And you start to notice a few blemishes. You start to notice a few problems. And all of a sudden, the things that didn't bother you at all and the things that you never saw become really, really evident. And all the things that you might have said and all the hope that you put in those first two weeks, when you get six months down the road, it's not so clear anymore. It's not so clear anymore. And that's why I think time is a great thing. Time is a great thing. Community is a great thing. So be careful when you gamble with your heart. And I know I mentioned six months and you're probably thinking about a timeline. Here's the deal. Every relationship's different. Every timeline is different. There's some of you that you have like five years in college and you're going for your master's afterwards and you're going to be in debt for the next 18 years of your life. Hey, maybe your timeline's a little different and that's okay. That is absolutely okay. There's parent things, there's money, there's so much that goes into that. And then maybe some of you, like you're like, hey, I'm ready to go tomorrow. Let's go. Let's get it. I'm ready to go tomorrow. And that's okay. And, and so we shouldn't compare ourselves and say, this is the only way. So I'm not going to just go ahead and say that there's a timeline with this thing where everybody should think because it's going to be wrong for some of you and it may be right for others of you. But what I, what I can tell you in, of what that looks like in, in guarding your heart in that way, I would say in, in the realm of talking about the future, there's a difference and talking about how, much, uh, how many kids that person might want to have. And then there's between or versus talking about what you're going to name your first five kids. Okay? Like, you can say, man, do you want a family? Do you want to have kids? Uh, is that something? Is that a, a desire in your life to do all of those things? Or if you're not guarding your heart very well, it's like, so if we, and when we have our first kid, what do you want to name him? <laughs> you're like, okay, right? There's this clear difference there. In, in the hopes and the stocks that you are putting in that relationship really early on. So what I'd say is you can talk about the future, but be careful that you aren't feeding your heart a promise that your futures will be together. You can talk about the future. You can talk about it, but don't sell that future as we're going to be together, and that's a guarantee because you don't know that. You don't know that. And that can ramp up over time. The farther that you get into that relationship, the closer that you get into engagement, yeah, you should have those conversations. 
You need to talk about those things. Absolutely talk about those things. There's a day where you talk about your past sin life and the things that are going on and all of the stuff uh, that is underneath it that you should talk about before you jump into marriage, before uh, they get down on one knee and before you say yes or whatever. I, don't, I do, yes, I think yes. Uh, I don't remember what Amy said. It was a blur. And uh, like you need to have those conversations. Amy and I had those conversations. But I'm just saying take it slow. Take it slow with those things. Because it's not a guarantee until you're at the altar. It's not a guarantee until you're at the altar. So we want to date with boundaries. Um, and, and obviously the other biggest boundary is in physical boundaries, but I, I went ahead and made it its own topic, and I said that we need to date with purity. We should be dating with purity. So... Um, I know immediately you're like, okay, he's going to, well, how far is too far? What are those questions? All of those things. Let me say this first. Uh, talking about dating being an evaluation process, right? We're evaluating someone. When we bring physical things in, especially something like sex before marriage, it complicates the evaluation process completely. Like, it completely skews everything about your evaluation. And it's so much harder to break up with someone when all of those things, because there is a chemical bond that happens when you have sex. There's a chemical bond that happens, and, and there is a dopamine rush that, that goes on in your life. And when you have that dopamine, it feels euphoric. It feels so good. But what happens when you get down from that high is that your body starts to crave that dopamine again and again and again, and it wants that experience over and over and over again. This is the same thing with a pornography addiction. That's what's happening is your body is craving those things. And so when you do that in a relationship, all of a sudden you have a bond with this person. You're not going to be able to evaluate that well, so sex complicates things. This happens with a lot of other things in life. Um, man, when, like, if you move in together, it's really hard to break up when you have, like, eight more months on your lease, right? That's pretty obvious. <laughs> You're like, well, we would date up, but uh, break up, not date up. What does that mean? We would break up, but this, maybe you have the same phone bill. Maybe you got this family vacation that you're all going on together and it's going to be so fun and you're like, but I don't think this is wise anymore. But you've, you've ran past all these boundaries and you've just bonded all of these things together and it makes it so difficult to evaluate, which is the purpose of dating. And obviously the biggest one is those physical interactions. And so let me just give you a principle here. When you add physical intimacy into a relationship, people become very selfish. People become very selfish. This happens with the dopamine because, uh, man, let, let's just say you, the first, you have your first kiss and it, it's great and it's wholesome and you show affection for each other and you can't stop smiling when you're driving home and you have this wonderful experience. You say, this is the best moment of my life, right? You have this thing. You tell all your friends and you just love it, but it releases dopamine in your body. And so your body is craving that experience, but you start to use that person to fulfill your body's cravings. You start to use that person, and what started with just this really great, easy affection for this person, all of a sudden becomes something where you are hunting out. And you're like, when is our next moment? When are we going to be alone? When can we start kissing again? When we can do all of these things? And that's when you start to isolate yourself. You try to find privacy moments. You're doing all of this stuff, and your brain just starts going to that because your body's craving it. 
and it wants to be fed. But here's what else happens. Your body requires more intense physical intimacy in order to reach the same dopamine levels. So what started with that first kiss in that euphoria moment, the second kiss isn't going to be the same way. And your body's going to want more. And what we think what happens is when we feed our body a craving, whether it's in lust or a million other things within our body and those cravings, when we feed it, we think it's going to satisfy it and it'll go away. And it maybe does for a moment, but really happens is is it just gets hungrier and it desires more to reach those same levels. And this is why physical interaction and physical intimacy is such a slippery slope in dating. It's such a slippery slope and it's so difficult to stop once you have started getting physical. It's so difficult to stop. Hard to just stay at one kiss to just do what one thing or whatever it is. And I've had so many friends, like some of my friends, they 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 put a, a like a timer on their watch. And they're like, all right, this is I'm serious, I'm dead serious. They're like, all right, I'm gonna start the timer, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna kiss for a little bit. But then when the timer goes off, and I'm like, and I reach out like a month later, I was like, how's that going? He's like, well, we throw the watch every time. I'm like, okay, that's a problem, right? It's so tough once you start. And so let me just ask you, if it's so tough to stop once you've started getting physical then why are you starting? Like, then why are you starting? Why are you going there over and over and over again? Wouldn't it be wise if we just drew the lines and the boundaries before we get too compromised? Like, shouldn't we just draw a line somewhere? Probably, yeah, but we don't want to, right? We want, we, we, our bodies like it. We want what we want, but if we're being honest, we should draw the lines and the boundaries before we go too far. And I'm not going to write all of those lines. I'm not going to get into all the details. I want you to think through that. I want you to have that conversation uh, with your significant other. And here's, what, here's the thing. I know from experience that, that putting boundaries in place doesn't remove temptation. I wish. Man, I wish it would remove temptation. But if you like each other, if you have feelings, those things are going to be there. But what it does tell me is that, is that you're seeking to date with purity. You're, you're seeking to date with purity. And when we do place those boundaries, I think it honors the Lord. I think those intentions are honoring to the Lord, and that is a goal with this dating relationship. Not just that it would end in marriage, but it would be a means to honor God with the way that we date and honor one another. And so, um, I, I said this also, dating with purity is difficult because you're going to put lines in place that you always want to cross. That's just a fact. Dating is difficult because you, you are going to draw lines that you're going to want to cross two hours later. That's a difficult thing. Like, that's a difficult thing to fight through. And I believe that is one of the reasons, you've probably heard this before, this is in 1 Corinthians 6, that Paul says that those who burn with passion should get married. Those who burn with passion should get married. And if you think about that, People that are burning with passion are ones that are remaining pure, that they aren't giving in to those desires. If you're just giving into those desires and you're just running amok in those things, you're really not burning with passion. You're just giving into it. You're walking in all of these things. You're walking in sexual immorality. It's the ones that, that remain pure, that put those lines, that fight for it, that those are the ones that, that burn with passion in that way. And I believe that when we burn with passion, that's what propels us to marriage. 
That's this thing, this tension that we have in our relationship that will actually keep us moving on this process. Because we know we have passions and we want those things and we want marriage and the things that come with marriage. But I know so many people and so do all of you that you just date for years and years and years and years. You move in together. You do all of the things. You have some of the benefits of marriage, but not all of them. And you have sex before marriage and you do all this stuff. And you're like, well, we're not going to be getting married because you're already doing what married couples do. And so when we remain pure, we date with purity We burn with passion, and that propels us through the dating process well to evaluate honestly in a way that will lead to marriage. I think, man, when we we go too far too soon in those physical boundaries and physical intimacy, we're robbing ourselves of what God designed marriage to be about. Like, we're robbing ourselves of God's design in that area. Here's a verse for you, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. So you know what God's will is? It's your sanctification, your holiness before him, that you would be set apart, separated from sin, giving your life to the fleshly desires that you have, and living for God to honor him in one of those ways is purity. Let me give another verse, Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. That's God's design. Would you trust him enough to walk in purity in your dating years and know that he is setting you up for a beautiful, beautiful marriage to come? It is worth it. It's worth it. And I know as I say that, I'm not talking to a room uh, full of virgins Like, I know I'm not talking to a room full of spotless people in this room, and each one of us has a sexual past. Every single person in this room has a sexual past, and you are going to marry a person if you get married with a sexual past. Like, you're going to have to deal with that on both sides of the aisle. This is something that you have to talk about. This is something that you're going to jump in. And let me just encourage you for a moment with the truth of the gospel. There is forgiveness found in Jesus. There is forgiveness in him. There is life transformation found in the gospel, and that is a good thing, that is a hopeful thing for all of us, that we have died to our old selves and we are a new creation. Breathe for a second at that thought. Now, that doesn't mean your actions have no consequences because they're going to have consequences in this life, specifically as you bring those into marriage. And I think most notably, man, that's going to hurt. Like, that conversation is going to hurt. It's going to sting. For Amy and I, I mean, we walked through these conversations as, as virgins, and it still hurt. Like, it wasn't easy. It didn't feel good for me to say those things, for me to hear those things, and it's not going to. Those things will have consequences, and it cuts deep. And I think it's because we knew as engaged people that we were going to become one flesh, and we were robbed of something that belonged to us. Like, we were robbed of that first moment, that first experience, that first whatever it was, where it's like, man... 
That should have been for us. And you don't know it, right? You're in this relationship and you're like, yeah, this is the guy, this is the girl, I'm going to marry them and it's done and we're going to do all of these things and it sounds so good, but you just don't know. It's not a guarantee. And so my encouragement to you is to date with purity. I promise you won't regret it. You, you, I mean, you're never going to regret the physical things that you did not do while you were dating. But you will regret things that you did do while dating. I think about, like, I, I don't look back on me and Amy's relationship and you're like, yeah, we should have just gone for it earlier. Like, we should have just done those things earlier. That would have felt really good. Like, no, I have a regret about the things that I did in other times and in past things. And I'm like, man, why did I do that? I remember me and Amy both had a conversation with me, man, if I could do anything to go back in time to take those things away, to not do those things, I would do it. And so if you're sitting in this room and you're dating and maybe you've done things, maybe you've gone a little too far, draw that line, move back, have that conversation. Don't go there. But remember, there is forgiveness found in Jesus. That's why I think it's so important to date another believer because they will bring a forgiveness because they have been forgiven themselves. And we will forgive others because we have been forgiven ourselves. That we know what it's like to wrong someone. We know what it's like to be wronged and we can extend forgiveness because we've been forgiven. And that is an absolutely huge thing. You won't regret the things that you didn't do. Did I say that right? Yeah, you won't regret the things that you didn't do. You won't regret dating with purity. Not only that, I mean, your future spouse will thank you. It'll be such a gift to them. And maybe the spouse of your old girlfriend or boyfriend will thank you. I mean, how incredible is that? So we need to date with purity. Last one. We need to date with faith. We need to date with faith. I said this at the beginning. Dating is a process and not a status. So if you're sitting in a relationship because you want the status, you want the attention, you want the benefits of that relationship, but you have no desire to move into marriage with that person, or if you have no desire to honor God with that relationship, then you need to reevaluate why you're in it. You need to reevaluate why you are in that relationship. But I also know that some of you are, are so anxious in your relationships. You are so anxious and fearful in your relationships uh, because you want to do everything perfectly. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess things up and make any mistakes. You don't want to do all of those things that I'm not saying to go make mistakes, but you are anxious and terrified of those things, and you are, you're afraid that your boyfriend or girlfriend will see something in you that they don't like. You're terrified of that. You're terrified that they're going to see something that they don't like. And we have all this pressure on us because we think it's up to us to, to work it out. And so we have to impress them in order to get their attention. We have to wow them in order to stay in that relationship, to keep their interest. You have to look a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You have to have a certain sense of humor. You have to have the same interests. You have to be all of these things. Uh, you have to be at 100% with your best foot forward that we're kind of putting this face on. We give all of this energy and then we're not around them. We're exhausted because we've been putting this best foot forward trying to impress them and trying to keep them around because we don't want to lose them. We're anxious. We're fearful. And we feel all this pressure to be what they are looking for because we fear rejection. 
We fear not being enough. We fear that we aren't what they are looking for. So we have this dating life that is characterized more by desperation and fear than by faith. I mean, that's what's happening. It's desperation and fear, not faith. And this is why we have to have confidence in God. Let me give you two verses, Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things, including your dating relationship, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in him. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. The reason we are so desperate and fearful is because we have taken God out of the equation and so all the pressure falls on us. We've taken God out of the equation. And so in order to date well, we must have a confidence and faith in God. We have to have that. I think for Amy and I, this is the second or round two of dating. We broke up. Shocker, I'll talk about that in a second. And uh, there was just a moment where we were kind of uncertain about the direction that we were going and if we were what we were looking for. And, and we just saw differences in each other. And we weren't sure if those differences were going to break us up if the, or if those differences were going to complement each other. Spoiler alert, we figured it out. Uh, but there was this really, I think, a huge, huge breakthrough moment for me. And I, I was so just kind of desperate, and I was fearful because we were having these conversations, and Amy was kind of listing off all of these things that she was kind of looking for, and she admired, and, and what she was looking for in a leader, in a personality type, and I, I, I saw that I wasn't those things. I was like, man, I don't, I don't think I'm that person, and there was this, there was a, a good stretch of time where both of us, unbeknownst to the other one, were kind of faking it, and we were forcing these things, and we were trying to be someone that we weren't, and, and it was just exhausting, and, and we were trying to make all of this stuff up, and, and there was this moment, this breakthrough moment for us where we put God in the equation. We say, man, if, if God is in this, if God is going to bring us together for marriage, then we just got to be honest with who we are and how we wired us. So I had this moment, I said, Amy, if you're looking for someone like your dad, it's not me. So if you're looking for someone that is like this and like this and like this, it's not me. That's not who I am. That's not how God wired me. And what I'm not saying is, is those are sin things. If you're like, if you're looking for a person that doesn't sin in this way, it ain't me. And that's like, no, no, no. I'm saying the way that God designed us. And I had this moment. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I saying these words out? I was basically like, hey, if you're looking for this, that's not me. So we might as well break up. Like, who says that? Why would you ever, like, hey, you should, we should just break up. But it was this moment where Amy was like, no, no, no. I don't actually want those things. I want you. I want how you are designed. I want how you are wired and how you lead and how you do all of those things. And all of a sudden, there was this peace amongst us. We were able to rest and we were able to trust. Because I think it's stupid to try and force yourself to be someone you're not in order to get someone to like you or to be someone you're not in order to keep someone dating you or, enable to, or to get yourself to a point of marriage and you've done all of this forcing and faking and then you get married, it's like, what are you going to do the rest of your life? You're just going to fake it and be someone who God didn't wire you to be? 
Man, it's better to be honest. It's better to have faith in God and trust him. So listen, God is in control. And he is working all things for the good. And I don't think this means that that we're passive and we aren't supposed to make any decisions and just kind of let God figure it out and maybe maybe something will happen, maybe it won't. But I think faith in God actually frees us to make wise decisions. I think it frees us up to make the wise decision that's before us. That's biblical, that's based on community, that's based on all of those things. Here's the example. If you think it's wise to break up, but you're afraid that that you might miss out on the one, like if you think you should break up, but you're like, man, I don't know. This might be the one. What if I'm wrong? What if this is God's will that we stay together? And you aren't trusting God with the results of your obedience. Like if it's wise, if that's what obedience looks like in that moment, obey and trust God with those results. Let God deal with those outcomes. You just make the wise, God-honoring decision, and I promise you're going to end up in the will of God. Like, I promise you, he's in control. He's in all of those things. I I alluded to this earlier. Amy and I broke up, not not presently, in the past. We broke up in the past, and, uh, surprise, we broke up, Uh, no. Uh, And and it happened in our dating relationship, and some of you might be thinking, man, that was bold. Like, you may have jeopardized God's plan for y'all to get married. And you know what? I disagree. I don't think that jeopardized God's plan of us getting married. I think God planned us breaking up because our relationship was unhealthy. I think that's what he planned, that we were unhealthy. And in that moment, obedience for Amy and I was breaking up. That was obedience. Every single person I talked to, Jason Fanny, you can go ask him. He was like, hey man, obedience is breaking up. That's what faithfulness to God looks like right now. I'm like, but she's such an awesome girl, and she might be my wife. And he's like, it might be, but it's not right now. Be obedient in that moment. So God knew all along that he was going to bring us back together. He knew. He absolutely knew. And it was better that we trust him and obey than to worry about the outcomes of our obedience. Friends, if you want to date well, date with clarity. Date with community. Date with boundaries. Date with purity. And date with faith. Trust God with those results. I had a great mentor in college. He, he, uh, I was about to take a girl on a date that was not Amy. Obviously, spoiler alert, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't pan out towards marriage. And, he, and I was nervous about all these things. I'm like, how is it going to go? And are we, gonna, are, is, are we compatible? Uh, and I was trying to figure out if I was going to marry this person before the first date. And he said, hey, man, listen, listen, listen. He says, you can go on some dates and break up and still be successful. I was like, what are you saying? Like, what? He says, it can be successful if you go on some dates and break up. He says, in the same way, you can go on dates, never break up, and get married and fail. I said, oh, we know that to be true. We have seen that around us, that we can date and go on breaks, or, or break up, and it is actually a successful thing. Why? Because we were obedient. We honored God we trusted him, and we just took the steps that were right in front of us, and we trusted him with those results. And so if you're in this room and you're fearful, fearful that breaking up is, is a failure, man, I encourage you to think again. Because that might be honoring God and trusting him and glorifying him with the results, whatever may come. 
And if you're thinking here and, and you're sitting here and your dating life and your dating thoughts are defined by desperation and fear, then I would encourage you to go to God's word and know that God causes all things to work together for the good. And you can trust in that and walk in obedience. He'll bring you to the place that you're supposed to be. Just make the right decision today. And that is dating well. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for your word that just gives so much clarity. And I think it gives us so much hope as we move through this dating life, as we move through these dating times. I, I pray for my friends right now that are dating, that have been dating. And uh, throughout this whole series, God, I pray that you would just make it so evident for them the direction that they should go, the decisions that they should be making. I pray for my dating friends that, that may need to have some conversations about boundaries that they have in place and, and uh, maybe areas of physical boundaries. God, would you just give them the strength to make those decisions? Would you give them the strength to, uh, to walk in purity? And I also pray for great confidence amongst community to be true tellers, to be trustworthy people that will be honest about where a relationship stands and what's going on. And that we, as a body of believers, as people, we would speak the truth in love, knowing that that is one of your means of the body growing in aspect and respect to you. So God, would you help us do that? Would you help us honor you with the way that we live, the way that we speak to one another? And at the end of the day, regardless of the outcomes and the results of our dating relationships, you would be honored and you would be glorified because we did it with faith. And we did it to honor you. God, we love you and we worship you now. Amen.